God, we love you. We give you praise. We give you thanks for all that you've done, for all that you are. God, this morning, we come and we just open up your word together. God, it's an honor to be able to come and to, to open up your word, to be able to hear from you. God, we, just, we pray that we would hear from you in a real way this morning. We pray, as we do every week, that you would speak through me, that it wouldn't be my words that are coming out of my mouth, but it would be your words for your people on your day. God, no one came to hear from Pastor Chris today. We all come to hear from you, me included. God, we love you. We give you praise. Speak through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are in a series uh, going through 1 John, kind of walking through uh, what, it, what these themes that John has in 1 John. We've talked about life, and we've talked about light. Uh, we're going to kind of dive into love today. We're going to just keep going as we go through this. We're just kind of taking it passage by passage, unpacking what John is trying to say to his people. Uh, and so, uh, just quick recap for you. Week one. We talked about eternal life. We just started in chapter 1, uh, 1 through 4, talking about life, eternal life, and how eternal life is not something that is simply just out there that we look forward to in the future, but it is something that can take place right now. Jesus is not only the messenger of this eternal life, he is the embodiment of this eternal life. And as we enter into relationship with Jesus Christ, with eternal life, we receive eternal life. Eternal life is not just something that starts at the moment we die. Eternal life, by, by, just by nature, the word eternal, eternal isn't just like into the future. Eternal is always. We, we have eternal life now. We, 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 if we are in relationship with Jesus, we have eternal life right now. Last week, we talked about this uh, kind of dynamic between light and dark. And uh, we talked about kind of the, the good news, the bad news, and the best news that John is telling us in this passage in John chapter 1, 1 John 1, uh, really all the way from verse 5 to the beginning pieces of chapter 2 there. Uh, the good news is that God is light. God is holy. There is no one other than God. The bad news is that we are not, we are, our nature is not light. Our nature is darkness. But through this gift of Jesus, in, in chapter 2, Verse 2, we read that he is the propitiation. He is the sacrifice for our sins. Through Jesus Christ, we can be children of light. We can, we can walk in the light. Not through our own power, but through the power of Jesus Christ. And as we walk in the light, we begin to change. I didn't talk about this last week, but we'll talk about it now. We begin to change as we walk in the light. We begin to change. We begin to, to be different because no longer are we defined by our sin. No longer are we slaves to sin. We have freedom from sin because now we walk in the light. Remember, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. There is no sin. And so as we walk in the light, sin has no more say over us. Sin has no more dominion over us. We are, not, we are no longer slaves to sin. John actually talks about this a little bit in his gospel as well. In John chapter 12, I just want to kind of go through some of these passages that talk about us as children of light. How do we live as children of light? John chapter 12, starting at verse 35, then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. 
that you may become children of light. Ephesians chapter 5 is another passage. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, past tense. You were once darkness, but now you are children of light. You are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Right? There is a shift that happens when we, when we start to walk in the light. No longer are we defined by the darkness. And this, this whole passage, you could really read Ephesians chapter 4, kind of 17 on. In fact, the title here, in my, the subtitle for this paragraph in my Bible, Instructions for Christian Living. All right, this, is, this, is, this is how we now live as children of light. Sin is no longer over us. Sin no longer controls us. <clears throat> There's another passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I promise we'll, we'll get going after this. But he says that we are children of light, children of the day. Bill reminded me last week, Bill Cote, who's not here this morning, he reminded me last week of a quote by Reuben Welch. He talks about this First John passage, talking about to walk by the light. And he says, how, how, do, we walk by, how do we walk in the light? He says, we've got to take the roof off. We've got to take the roof off and just, and just walk in the light. Let the light of God shine on us and fill us that we might walk in his light. No longer does darkness have any, any uh, dominion over us. I mean, it's really pretty much what John talks about for the rest of 1 John, is how do we live then in the light? If we are walking in the light, how do we live this out? And this is where we begin to talk about, about love and about all these other things. I mean, he's, John has just presented the gospel to them. And he's saying, in light of this, how, how then do we live in the light? Well, let's, let's talk about that. 1 John, if you want to go there, 1 John chapter 2 is where we're going to be hanging out today. Uh, if you're in one of our pew Bibles on page 1054, 1 John chapter 2, uh, starting at verse 3. Here's, we're going to go all the way through verse 17 this morning. Here's what we're, here's, we'll just read it together here. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have, seen, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. 
I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes from, not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. <clears throat> I wanna, we're going to unpack this whole thing this morning. But you can see here that we have, we have moved from, from life to light to love. This other main theme that John talks about here, and he will continue to talk about through the rest of the book, really. John's doing a couple things in what we read today. Here's what he's doing. First of all, he's encouraging the believers. He's encouraging those who claim Christ, who claim to follow him. He's encouraging those people who are living it out. But he's also doing a second thing, and he is challenging those who claim the name of Christ but do not live it out. Who claim the name of Christ but do not love. Who claim the name of Christ but nothing in their life changes. I mean, this is really John's overall goal and this whole, and really the whole book, actually, if you look in John chapter, in 1 John chapter 5, uh, verse 13, he tells you what the goal is. He says, I write these things, this is at the end of his, his letter, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. John is writing to these people, to these believers, to, to basically give them some assurance of where they are in their faith. Where they are in their walk with Christ, he's, he's writing to them to give them some assurance. And so this, this passage here, he's saying, look, there are some of you who are doing it right. But I want to challenge some of you who claim the name of Christ, but are not living, are not living it out. The question is, how, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know you're doing it right? How do you know that you are... In fact, a Christian, not just by name, but indeed. How do you know? Funny thing is, there's a lot of answers to that question. A quick Google search will give you a lot of different answers for how do I know I'm a Christian. Some of them are actually, some of them are pretty funny. Some of them are kind of sad. Right, here's, here's one. I, I am a Christian because of my religious heritage. I was born a Christian, so I'm a Christian. My mom and my dad were a Christian, my brothers and sisters were Christian, and so, so I'm a Christian. Name it, and that's me. I'm a Christian because my family was a Christian. Here's another one people say, I'm a Christian because I go to church. I have involvement in my church. I go to church every once in a while, and so I think that's probably good enough. I think I'm a Christian. Some people say I'm a Christian because uh, I have the intellectual knowledge that I need. I've read the Bible through. I, I guess I sort of believe what I read there. I, I read that Jesus is the Son of God. I can, I can cognitively believe that. Does that make you a Christian? No. Even James says that just believing puts you right on par with Satan. Satan believes, but it doesn't change anything. Is believing enough? No, it's not. There's another one. I am, I am active in ministry, so I'm a Christian. This one's a little more on the line, right? 
Because theoretically, if you're active in ministry, it's coming from the right place. But if you're active in ministry because you think that's what saves you, you're wrong. Right? Even Matthew chapter 7, there are people that just come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And Jesus looks at them and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Right? Just ministry by itself does not save you. This was, I felt, this one was kind of interesting. Someone was said, I know I'm a Christian because I have a guilty conscience. I, I know when I sin and I feel guilty about my sin, and I wouldn't feel guilty about my sin if I wasn't a Christian, so I think I'm a Christian. And there's, some, there's some logic there, but no, it's, it's wrong. All right, there's, there's, there's some that believe I'm a Christian because of a past decision that I made. And when I was in third grade, I said a prayer and I signed a card and that was good enough for me. No. It has to be deeper than that. It has to be deeper than that. There's some who believe that I am a Christian because I do good things. I do good things and so I'm a Christian. No. There are, some, there are definitely some uh, shall we say, false assurances of faith out there. People who call themselves Christians, who, who lean on these things to, to maybe prove that they are in fact Christian, but in no way, shape, or form do these things make them a Christian. So how then do we know? How do we know that we are, in fact, living the life that God is calling us to live? How do we know that we, are, that we are walking in the light, to use John's language here? How do we know? How can we be assured that we are, in fact, children of light? Well, I think, really, I mean, you look at this passage, I think there's a few different ways that we can know that we are who we are, that we can know that we are children of light. Remember, John's main goal of this letter is to write to believers and to give them assurance that they, in fact, do have eternal life, that they are, quote-unquote, doing it right. right? They are, quote-unquote, they are living for God. They are children of light. How do they know? Well, here, I think, is the first way. I'm going to just give you four questions this morning that you can ask yourself to, to maybe, maybe test yourself a little bit. Test your relationship with Christ a little bit this morning. Maybe, maybe be assured of your salvation this morning. Here's, here's the first question. Are you trusting in Jesus alone as Savior? Are you trusting in Jesus alone for your salvation? That alone part is very important. Because none of these things that I talked about earlier, the, the Google search that I did about how do I know I'm saved, none of those things are how you are saved. We talked about this last week. God is holy. We are not. But Jesus provides that space in the middle. He comes in and covers over everything. There is nothing that we could do individually that would fill the place of what Jesus did on the cross. There's no amount of good works there is no amount of ministry opportunities in the church. There is no amount of, uh, of knowledge. There is no amount of, of moral lifestyle that you could live that would bridge this gap between a holy God and an unholy person. It does not and cannot happen outside of Jesus Christ. So the question is, do you trust 
and Jesus alone for your salvation. I mean, if we, I want you to think about that. I mean, even just last week, we, we, we talked about this. Right? Walk, if you walk in the light. First John chapter 1 says, If you walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. First John 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. 1 John 2, 2, he is the sacrifice, Jesus is the sacrifice for our sin. Do we trust in Jesus alone as our Savior? That's, I think that's kind of review from last week, but it's question number one. Do you trust in Jesus alone as your Savior? Here's the, the second thing. Are you obeying Jesus alone as Lord of your life? Are you obeying Jesus alone as Lord of your life? We talked through this passage a little bit last week. I want to dive in again. Uh, Chapter 2, starting at verse 3. We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. I just want you to, to just realize, I know I started already, I want you to realize how many times in this passage John talks about knowing. It, it just proves you what he's going after here, what he's chasing after here. He, he wants you to know This is how we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Are you obeying Jesus alone as your Lord and Savior? See, we talk about we trust in Jesus as our Savior. We know that he came to save us from our sins. Talking about Jesus as Lord is something different. To talk about someone as as Lord means that you are under them. That means that you are under their command. It means that you are going to obey them and follow their lead. That's what it means to have have a Lord. So do you obey Jesus as your Lord? And again, I just want to reiterate, we are not obeying to be saved. Again, I don't, I, Jesus is here in the middle. We cannot be here in the middle. We are not obeying to be saved. We are obeying because we are saved. We obey Jesus. We obey the commands we read in this book out of love for God and love for Jesus for no other reason. Obeying does not get you extra credit, it does not give you a front row seat in heaven, it does not do, there's nothing that obeying gets you other than the fact that you do it because you love Jesus, and that's enough. Are you obeying? See, obeying is a sign that we know him, it's a sign that we trust him, I mean, what, what is a Christian anyways, right? A Christian just by name is a follower of Christ. Are we following Jesus? If the answer is no, then I don't know really how you can even call yourself a Christian because that's literally what Christian means. Are you obeying Jesus alone as Lord over your life? 
Here's the, the third question I think you can ask yourself. Are you showing the love of God to others? Are you showing the love of God to others? We keep reading. Dear friends, in verse 7, I'm not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Again, here's this knowledge. They don't know where they're going because they're in darkness. That darkness has blinded them. How do we know? We love each other. Do you share the love of God? Do you show the love of God to others? If we are walking in the light, if we are trusting in Jesus alone for our salvation, if we are obeying Jesus alone, if we are following his lead, our lives will show it by the way that we love each other. And this is not a, a new concept in Scripture. Right? This, is, this whole concept is over all of Scripture, that we would love one another. Jesus calls us to love one another just as he loved us. He even says in John chapter 13, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples if you love each other. Right? This, this idea that we're supposed to love each other and love each other well, love each other in the way that Jesus loves us is not a, it's not a new command. It's not a new thing. John is not bringing this out of nowhere. This is, again, this is, he says a new command I'm not giving you. This is from the beginning. You've always had to love each other. This has always been a core of who we are. Love one another. This is the thing. If, if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, if you are a child of the light, things begin to change. You begin to love people that maybe you wouldn't have loved before. You begin to like people that you shouldn't have liked before. But it's all because of Jesus. And as you begin to walk in his ways, as you begin to obey his word, obey his command, things begin to change. Our minds begin to shift. I've seen even in this church people who have grown in their faith and gotten deeper with Christ as they have built relationships with other people, the way that they love each other is different. So how, how do you know? Are you showing the love of God to others? Is that even a priority? Is it something you think about? Here's a, here's a fourth question for you. Are you experiencing God's love in your own life? Are you experiencing the love of God in your own life? Here's John as he continues in verse 12. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And I just, just quickly, before I read this, 
This is not a, a male exclusive letter here. When he talks about little children, <clears throat> he's talking about kind of all the believers. When he's talking about fathers, he's talking about those who are a little older in their faith. They've been there a little longer. When he's talking about the young men, he's talking about maybe the new believers. Right? No, there's nothing in, nothing in the language of John or 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, or even Revelation tells us that he is actually speaking to just the men here. Right? This, is, this is a letter to all believers, and this is what he's writing. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Right. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. I just want to just reiterate this for you. You have overcome the evil one. No longer, if you are a child of light, if you walk in the light, you have overcome the evil one. No longer does sin have to be a piece of who you are. But here's what John is, is just reiterating to these people. You are loved. You are loved by a God who sent His Son to die for you for the forgiveness of your sins. You have overcome the evil one. You know the Father. You know who is here from the beginning. You, your sins have been forgiven on account of His name. Don't mistake this. You are loved by God. And just feel the weight of being loved by God. Feel the weight of your sin being lifted off by a God who loves you. I mean, have you experienced the love of God in your life? Have you experienced what John is saying here? Have you experienced this this, this good news that you have overcome. This good news that you know the Father, that your sins are forgiven on account of His name. And you, you are loved by God. And He keeps going in verse 15. And again, this is, this is part of the warning. Don't love the world or anything in the world. Why, John? Why shouldn't I love anything in the world? If anyone loves the world... Love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. If you love the world, love for the Father is not in you. But if you do the will of God, you will live forever. You will have eternal life like we talked about a couple weeks ago. You can be assured of your salvation. You can walk away from this place and be secure in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you trust Jesus alone for your salvation? Do you obey Jesus alone in your life as Lord over your life? 
Do you show the love of God to others? And he's, he's talking about brothers and sisters. He's talking about us. But he's also talking about outside the building. Do you love each other? Also, do you just love in general? Do you show the love of God? And have you experienced the love of God in your own life? I think if the answers to those are yes, then you can walk away and just know. I'm in. I'm in this relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm secure in this relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't have to worry. I don't have to stress about this. I don't have to even think about this because I know that I am in love with Jesus and Jesus is in love with me. I know that I am secure in my relationship with Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. When you leave and you know that and you understand that and you claim that and you live by that, life looks different. Because when you know that you live for Jesus and Jesus alone, things that used to matter a lot stop mattering. Things that used to be big deals in your life start to be small deals. And the things that you never thought were important become extra important because Jesus thinks they're important. Loving that person who is, who is downtrodden, loving that person who, who the world says doesn't deserve your love. That, that might not have been important, but now Jesus says it's important. Amen. Going out and, and sharing the good news of the gospel might not have been that important, but Jesus says it's important. That's right. There might not have been an urgency in any of that, but Jesus says, look, I'm coming. And there's an urgency that goes along with sharing the gospel and reaching people for him. There is so much in here that changes life as we know it. But if we walk as children of light, and if that's the people that we become, life changes. It has to be more than just knowledge has to be more than just knowing the right things and saying the right words and singing the right songs. It's deeper than that. It's, it's in here. It's a heart thing. And when your heart changes, uh, what do they say? The longest, the longest distance is the distance between your brain and your heart. Right? These, these 12 inches are the hardest 12 inches to go in your life. Right? It's, it's very true. Because once you know, you've got to live it. And John says... If you claim to know, but you don't live it, you're a liar. And the light of Christ is not in you. Live as children of light. Walk in the light as he is in the light. This is what it is to know. Let's pray. God, we love you. We give you thanks and praise for who you are and all you do. God, this morning we, we just lift you up. God, this morning we say that we trust you. We trust you and you alone for our salvation.
God, this morning we say together as a church that we will obey you. We will obey you and you alone. We will follow your commands. We will know your word. We will, we will celebrate your word and we will live your word. God, this morning we say that we will love others. That we will go out and we will show your love to the world. And this morning we just say thank you for the love that you bestowed on us, that we can experience your love. God, this morning, would you just, would you go ahead of us? Would you go with us as we leave? Be in our workplaces, be in our homes, be on the trips that we take. God, would we know, would we leave here secure in our relationship with you, and would that change everything? As you go ahead of us, would you prepare us for the conversations we might have? Would you prepare us for the things that we might encounter? And would we cognitively enter each and every one of those encounters and each and every one of those conversations knowing that you love us, that you love who we're talking to, and that your gospel matters. God, we love you. We give you praise in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And as you stand, uh, before we leave, just, uh, just reach your hands out and just receive this blessing from God this morning. Would our God, our God of light and love and life, would he go with you and ahead of you this week? Would he make you bold? Would he give you courage to live the life that he's calling you to live? And would you make a difference wherever you may find yourself? Go in the power and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning.